Hi, everyone. I'm just popping in here to say happy Sunday and that this episode is going to be a rebroadcast of something that we aired in the summer of 2018, where I was the guest. My dear friend, Ajalique, sat down and interviewed me, and it was a very fun time. I hope you enjoy, and we'll have a new episode for you next Sunday. Take care. Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. I'm on the other side of the mic today. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Today, Alex is on the other side of the mic. I am. This is interesting. I'm the guest today. Yes. For all of you listening, this is Ajalique, longtime friend, (laughs) sister friend of Alex. And and you were our first guest on the podcast. Yes, I was about talking about loss and grief. Mm Mm-hmm. So today we're going to dive into a conversation about the lovely experience (laughs) of what (laughs) of Miss Isla's birth and all of the wonderful transitions and effects and growth and evolution that that brought into your life aside from just the wonderful love and joy yeah. of this new baby. And you were there for her birth. You saw her <laughs> yes, into the world. I did, <sighs> which was a beautiful experience. Everyone doesn't seem to believe I think that. <laughs> Even the midwife was like, are you okay? But I really felt in that moment watching you and Ryan, like how beautiful yeah. motherhood and birth and pregnancy is and all that our bodies can do. So mm-hmm. it actually made me excited. <laughs> to want to have a kid so that makes me happy and I mean it just makes sense that you would be the one interviewing me today because you've been on this journey with us since the beginning and like I'm excited so this is new for me guys being on the other side of the mic but it's going to be a really fun chat so I'm ready grill me I'm ready okay (laughs) so I guess let's start there with just that birthing experience and how it molded or even changed Mm -hmm. your view of motherhood now you have two girls and there's you know a 10-year gap between them Mm -hmm. so how have things changed how how was that experience having a baby 10 years later in a totally different space than when you had charlie the experience was interesting It was interesting for a few reasons. So for those of you who may not be familiar with my story outside of what I've shared on social media, or maybe you're a new follower or engager or whatever, I had my first daughter when I was 18. I'm 28 now. Um, I was in a completely different stage in my life when I had Charlie. Was not aware of who I was. Self-love wasn't a thing. I was very just scattered. Um, And I had to figure it out. And Charlie... When Charlie was born, I was like, I, I I, have to do this for her. I have to figure out how to love myself so I can love her. And I don't think I had the language I'm using now back then mm-hmm. at 18, but pretty much that's just how it went. And it took a lot of trial and error. I don't think I started getting it right until she was maybe three. And my parents had a lot to do with that because they they helped me raise her until she was five. And then we moved out and met 
Ryan. Well, well, we we met Ryan and moved out, and then you know it was me and Charlie, and then Ryan, you know, mm-hmm. was raising her with me. So it's been it's been a journey. I have been unpacking the whole birth thing, not necessarily for this conversation, but just kind of for this conversation and just for myself. Yeah, for your memories and everything. And it's Isla was longed for, you know, and. I've struggled with a little bit of mom guilt because of how Charlie came into the world and Mm -hmm. how Isla came into the world. So Charlie uh, was not planned. Isla was planned to the T. I didn't know I needed Charlie until she got here. I didn't know I wanted Charlie until she got here. Yeah. Isla was longed for for years. So I've, I've gone back and forth with what the two births meant for me and did for me in their own right and kind of removing the shame that I have around being a teen mom. I didn't know I was ashamed until I got pregnant with Isla. Wow. So I was telling Ryan, maybe Isla was like five days old and I was like, her birth was a spiritual and transformative experience. Like I was there and just present when I had Charlie. i I was so young and I didn't know my options and I didn't want to feel any pain. I don't remember my birth with Charlie, which mm-hmm. is why I said to Ryan, I needed Charlie to be in this world, but I needed Isla's birth to be where I am today. Cause yeah. I, cause I just, I didn't know how to be present at 18. You know, right. I just knew I was having a baby. It was no, plan or rhyme or reason and having it be the complete opposite with Isla just constantly shifts my way of thinking every day. Yeah, it sounds like it was a more overall empowered experience from conception all the way through to all the decisions you made preparing for that day of her arrival. Yeah. And since. So with you now in this space of approaching motherhood from a very present and empowered Mm. place. How has that changed how you show up for Isla and then how you show up for Charlie with Isla here? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Charlie was my biggest teacher in motherhood. She was my first and just came into this world ready to love on people. Like she, when I'd say that I needed her, I needed her. Just her kindness, her sweetness, um, her her empathy. And she taught me how to parent Isla better just because mm-hmm. I've had 10 years of practice. Yes, right. <laughs> There's been a lot of trial and error with mm-hmm. Charlie. She's taught me patience. She's taught me how to be present. She's taught me how just to navigate loving someone else more than you love yourself. So that's so I talk about loving ourselves more than we love other people, right? But yeah. the only way I was able to love Charlie the way I love her is because she loved me so much. And I knew that I had to love her more than I loved myself. And I feel that way about my kids. Like, mm-hmm. they're the, probably the only people in this world that I love more than myself. Yeah, and it's fair. And it's just, it's a crazy feeling and experience because... I've done so much work to love myself and to like stand really tall in that to love someone else more than than that, which is a powerful thing, has been very interesting. 
Isla has taught me and Charlie and Ryan what love is all over again. The girls are just everything I, I needed and wanted. You know, I didn't know, like I said earlier, that I wanted Charlie as bad as I did until she got here. And then immediately at 18, I'm breastfeeding her. You know, I, I breastfed her for a year. I was baby wearing before it was a thing on Instagram. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. no one taught me how to mother that way, how to mother in a way that was gentle and, and kind and, you know, close. I just had to figure it out. And I even asked my mom, like, who taught me this? Like breastfeeding and, and, and baby wearing and just gentle words and like not spanking and that 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 zero aggression uh, approach to parenthood that I wasn't raised with like I was getting whooped you know what I mean like you and I both <laughs> you and I both so it's like how who taught me how to redefine what black motherhood had been for me black parenthood had been for, like how it would be different for me and she goes I don't know who taught you that I think that you just wanted to do things differently. And even at 18, I don't think I had that that language. Like, I want to do things differently. I just, right. It just happened. And I think that that's the power in, like, transformation. Um, so maybe Charlie's birth was more transformative than I imagine when I say it out loud. Yeah. But it was so rooted in trauma, like, and dysfunction with the relationship um, I had with Charlie's dad and... Um, just being young and not knowing what the hell we, we were doing, I was doing. So it's just been a big learning experience over the past 10 mm -hmm. years. So feeling like I know a little something about motherhood makes it easier to parent Isla. Absolutely. And just watching you immediately after Isla popped out, <laughs> I mean, it was like you hadn't skipped a beat. I you was nervous that I would. her up <laughs> and just brought her right to your breast. And I'm like, so many women who experience birth for the first time, they're like scared and they don't know how to hold the baby and they need the nurses coaching. And it was just, you know, a testament to, you know, the type of mother you are that mm. you just, <laughs> Isla was right there yeah, on it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And just looking like, what am I doing mm -hmm. here? Um, mm -hmm. It's so funny you said that because I often feel like, felt like when I was pregnant that I was, I forgot. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, Ryan, I don't think I'm going to know how to do this. Like, they're so little at that age. Isla was huge, though. She was nine pounds. So yeah. her heft kind of made it more comfortable, mm -hmm. right? But I'm just like, babe, I don't know if I can do this again. Like, how am I supposed to do this? And you're right. When she came out, it just came back. And yep. That that mother instinct, that mama bear thing, it came back full force. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. this is you how didn't look around for permission. You didn't check. <laughs> you didn't, you know, yeah. can I nurse it? You just and it was, you know, just so natural and um, powerful to watch. Mm -hmm. So kind of going back to your childhood and how you were raised, what struck out to me and what you just said the gift of Charlie and what she did for you was she gave you this most pure, unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And from our previous conversations and things we've shared with each other, it probably didn't always feel like you had that growing up mm -hmm. from, you know, having an absent father and then even just both of us being raised by single parents mm -hmm. who we're just stressed mm -hmm. and trying to make a way and doing all of these things and unable to nurture mm -hmm. um, in the healthiest way. Mm -hmm. 
So do you feel like Charlie providing that unconditional love for you somehow helped heal some of those wounds from your childhood and feeling some lack of love? Yeah, I guess. And I, I struggle with putting that on a child, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense, like that need for love. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had Charlie out of the need for validation and love from men. Right. And I got pregnant at 18 because I was longing and looking and searching, you know, and Charlie giving me that love without expecting me to be perfect Mm -hmm. or anything less than, you know, she just wanted me. And that made me feel really, really good. And in turn made me want to love her back just as as hard. And coming from a, a home where my mom did the best she could with what mm-hmm. she knew, I just knew I wanted to do better. And I wanted to be better because that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to, I expect my girls to be better than me yeah. when they get older and, 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 and they walk through the world. Parents are not. You know, um, if they decide to be mothers or not, I want them to be better than I am, than I stand today. And I feel as though that's what I wanted to give Charlie, a better version of what I had. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to give Isla a better version than I gave to Charlie just because evolution. Like, that's just how it goes. Charlie filled a void in me. It wasn't ideal, you know, being a teen mother. I don't advocate for it at all. I no, like if mm-hmm. I could do it another way and learn the same lessons, I would. But I think I needed that. I needed to slow down. And Charlie was my pause button. So to shift a little from that, what you've been able to do with your career. Mm. And, you know, I've seen all the different <laughs> transitions and phases. Yeah. I mean, since Charlie was three. Yeah. So, you know, you've had your jewelry line and you've had all of these um, and your skincare line Mm -hmm. and you've had a hair care line, even building your writing career, Mm -hmm. really securing a a really solid space in the wellness community and being a prominent voice in that space. Mm -hmm. You've done so much to be just a shining example of a woman, a mother in an entrepreneurial space. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about all the things, all of the things, (laughs) all of the things, because you always have so many powerful partnerships and collaborations Mm -hmm. that you do and you foster. It's it's just amazing. So talk a little bit about that and even to tie into what we were just speaking about, about motherhood Mm -hmm. and wanting to be very present for Charlie, Mm -hmm. why you made that choice Mm -hmm. and that journey into entrepreneurship so my nana tells me this story whenever we're talking about my career when i was seven i said to her um i want to work for myself because i want to be home with my family or something along mm-hmm. those lines and that's because my mom worked her ass off you yeah know? she yep. just worked and worked and worked to provide for me in the best way that she could financially my mom is still that way. You know, I'm grown now, so she doesn't provide financially. <laughs> but feel free, girl. I know you're listening to this. <laughs> um, but she um, she worked really hard to be able to support me. And 
I may not have come from the most, and I've been unpacking this too with the meditations and energy work I've been doing, and I may not have come from the most nurturing home, but my mom, like, we never wanted for anything. We never struggled, you know? Mm -hmm. And she never let me see that she was struggling. Mm -hmm. I don't know. She might have, but to me, she was just superwoman and working, and my nana helped raise me when my mom had stuff to do for work, and my mom was climbing the corporate ladder and going to school, and, you know... As, a, as children, we don't realize that our parents are sacrificing for us. Mm-hmm. So I think I just missed my mom and I knew that I wanted to be, you know, with my mom, with my yeah. family. So me saying that to my Nana at seven, you know, I was manifesting this life already um, 21 years ago, you know, and... <sighs> I've always been surrounded by entrepreneurship um, in some way, even if it was just as like a hobby, right? Mm -hmm. So my Nana ran her own daycare for years. My Poppy, who is my granddad, has his own life insurance company Mm -hmm. that he's had for years. My mom always did things on the side. It's so funny we're having this conversation because I talked about um, this with her yesterday. But she used to make cheesecakes and she had clients and she would sell her beautiful cheesecakes and she would make these intricate chocolate leaves and place them on top of the cheesecakes. And I would just look and be like, oh, my gosh. And she would let me lick the batter sometimes Mm -hmm. and like those memories. Right. And she used to make jewelry. Um, She actually just stepped back in to making jewelry, which I'm so excited mm-hmm. about for her. Um, she's a great artist. She can doodle. So she passed that on to Charlie. And she used to draw all my art projects <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> because <laughs> art, as far as like, you know, drawing and painting has never been my strong suit. So I've always been around creativity in some way. I think I'm going to be the first one to really walk in this creative yeah. career and like, we want Charlie to go to school for the arts and pursue her flute and pursue her art, you know, her art and her drawing. Like we want her to stand tall as an artist. Right. So I'm hoping that I'm passing that along um, to my girls. And I just knew like even throughout college, that was my side hustle. Jewelry, my skincare yeah. line, like Safi hair care was my first project out of college. I took an entrepreneurship class, and that's where Safi Hair Care, oh, my God, that was so long ago, mm-hmm. was born. And I was making avocado shea butter and, like, and selling it and, like, making money and, yeah. you know, having my little pocket change because I hated working for other people. I used to work at Lido's, hated it. Uh, a baker, I did not a- know that. <laughs> you know I love Lido's pizza. <laughs> I wish we were friends then. That would have been awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hated working for other people, so... Let me just go through the the jobs I had while I was in college. Lido's, Forever 21. I think I worked at Forever 21 for like 48 hours. Um, I worked at a local bakery in Rockville. Um, oh, my gosh. I worked as a summer camp person, direct, not director, what is it, counselor. Counselor. What else did I do? Just little oh, babysat. I nannied. Nanny was really kind of the only thing that I I liked Mm -hmm. Uh, I nannied all throughout my pregnancy with Charlie, actually. Oh, wow. So I was in college and I was nannying. Um, This is crazy. I haven't thought about this in a very long time. I've not even heard. (laughs) Um, Working for other people was never my favorite thing. So then when I found out I could be creative and really do that for myself, 
it was in college. I took an entrepreneurship class, and that's how I found out. Oh, you can do this! Like, even though I know Nana had her her childcare and Poppy had his life insurance, like, I didn't know that was called entrepreneurship. You know, I didn't know that was called working for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, which just also shows just how I don't know. I just didn't know anything. I was so young. So after I took that class, that's when my first hair care line was birthed. And then I was making jewelry in college and wearing it for myself, but then selling it to classmates. Circle back really quickly. A thought just came up. When I was in middle school, Mm -hmm. I used to make T-shirts. Like, remember how you go to Michael's, you print out the iron-on things? Yes. And I used to print out, like, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and Mm -hmm. stuff and iron them on shirts and sell them out of my locker at school. So I've always Hustling ha- for real. <laughs> Hustling for real. That is hilarious. Yes. Because I'm like, I just had a visual of you like at your locker oh, whipping shirts out. The principal like. shut that down. Like I would wear and I would wear like, because you're not allowed to sell stuff at school and collect money from other kids. The shirts yeah. were like $10. Come to my locker, get your shirts. I used to wear... I used to, this is so, this is just terrible, guys. Don't judge me. I used to decorate my jean jackets with now later wrappers. So now. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Now later wrappers. Your jacket? Yeah. So the back of my jacket would be all now laters and starbursts because if you didn't know, guys, those are made out <laughs> of wax paper. Mm-hmm. So I would lay them out in a creative way and put uh, printer paper on top and iron it down. And I would be like styling on them. That okay. That's so funny. I remember people used to tape <laughs> those wrappers to their composition notebooks to the cover, but I never thought to iron oh, it was, and put it on clothes. Listen, that is, I was a walking innovation I was, at its finest. I was a walking <laughs> now and later. Um, so it's always been in my blood to make my own money. Mm-hmm. Of course, I didn't have the language for it, but it was always yeah. in my blood to make my own money and to do things for myself. And that's because I had these creative people around me. So when I was old enough <laughs> to know what I was doing, entrepreneurship just seemed like a thing. So fast forward, you know, Charlie went to kindergarten and I was like, I don't want to miss out on anything. And this is when Words from a Wanderer had just came out. Maybe it maybe was nine months old and um, it was a bestseller. And I was working for nonprofits in D.C. on and off. And I was like, I hate commuting from Olney to D.C. It's the worst. It's far, guys. If you don't live in D.C., that's very far. (laughs) It's far. And I want to be around for Charlie. And, you know, Ryan and I were maybe a year into our relationship. And he was really rooting for me. And he was really the only person rooting for me. Like, my mom was like, listen, girl, you need health insurance. You need a constant, you know, flow of money, like, don't do this and she didn't see the dream but she didn't see the dream because you know our parents are just what they are they come from the generation that they come from right I mean now my mom is completely shifted like yesterday she called me and was like I'm thinking about buying this property and making a tea shop like I'm thinking about it and I'm like I said, girl, I said, who are you (laughs) like yeah and I just but I love that she's stepping into that she may be midlife right now but it's better late than never, yeah. right? And but that just makes me that just makes me really happy. So, you know, just to rewind, I knew that I wanted to be present for Charlie and I knew that I wanted to work for myself. I was 23 and I quit my job. I quit my yeah. job. Um, but I was scared. It wasn't just 
quit your job. Like I had money in my savings account. You know, I I prepared and then I decided I was going to stay. And um, I put my I thought I was I put my two weeks in my last job ever put my two weeks in. Boss asked me to stay. And I said yes, because I was scared. I didn't. I was like, you know what? This must be a sign that I just need to just. No, that was a test. It was about what you really wanted. Yes. It was a test um, because two weeks later he called me a low budget employee and I quit. And a month after that, Ohio State booked me for my very first college speaking engagement. And it's been I told myself I was either going to fly or fail. Yeah. And I've been flying ever since. And I just had to do the work and I had to believe in myself. And a part of doing the work is that self-belief. And that's so important. Yeah. And. While you've been speaking um, and learning the things about your family that I didn't know. Well, I mean, I knew about your mother, but I didn't know about your um, grandmother Mm -hmm. and your poppy. But being surrounded in that natural environment of entrepreneurship. And I've always looked at you because it's entrepreneurship has just seemed so natural and intuitive for you. Um, and not the case at all for me, but I didn't grow up in that environment. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for other people who who never saw that that was a possibility and don't know how to make that a reality, like, mm. do you have any tips or things you learned along the way that you can share mm. about authentically pursuing your ideas mm-hmm. or your creativity mm-hmm. and what it looks like to foster that belief in yourself? How? Yeah. <laughs> how? Everybody wants to know how. Mm-hmm. I'm still figuring out how. It's a being entrepreneur is not linear, especially when you have a creative brain like I do. Mm-hmm. You always want to do the next thing. <laughs> yeah. So I have had to learn how to scale back. Hence why I don't do jewelry anymore. I had to learn how to scale back, hence why I don't do skincare or hair care anymore. Yeah. Because you can be an entrepreneur and also have your side hobbies. So I love making things with my hands. I love making hair butters and serums and necklaces and bracelets. That doesn't have to be my bread and my butter. You know, writing books is my bread and my butter. Right. My other things are what fill me up, right? Mm-hmm. So um, what I say to people is we are like trees. Alex L. is my trunk, and then I have all these branches coming off of my trunk, which in, which consist of motherhood, photography, uh, jewelry making, skincare making, writing, community building, I don't know, workshops, all the things that I love are coming off of my trunk. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to do all those things at once. I can go to my tree and pick what I want to do. And what I would say to entrepreneurs or people who want to be entrepreneurs is what is your trunk? So mm-hmm. Alex L is my trunk because Alex L is my brand, right? Outside of Alex L, my, I'm just Alex. I'm Alexandra Spearman. That's who I am. But my brand is Alex L. And that's how people see me in the world because that's what I have built through my career as a writer. I encourage people to even take out your journals now. Like, what are you? Who are you? Draw your tree. What is your trunk? Draw your branches. What are your branches? What are your leaves? Like, what are those little things that really fill you up and give you joy? 
and you go from there. And if you have an idea, guys, write that stuff down and it's accessible. You may Mm -hmm. not be able to quit your job today or in two years Mm -hmm. or in five years, but you are allowed to dream and bring things to fruition and you're you but you have to do the work. Being an entrepreneur is hard. I work harder now than I did working for somebody yeah. else. But it's yep. worth it. Mm-hmm. And the money I'm I'm working hard for my money, you know? Yeah. And I am fulfilled in the work that I'm doing. So that makes the the, the money that comes secondary because when yeah. you're fulfilled in the dream and in your work Everything else is secondary. Right. You know, I mean, of course, money's great. Money's great. (laughs) We love it. We need it. We need Mm -hmm. money to live. If you're going to be a business owner, a businesswoman, you know, make your money, but be smart, do the work and be realistic. Mm -hmm. I had to learn. I just can't do everything. That's why I closed down Bauman Co. You know, I even tried to rebrand it. I'm like, okay, I want to hold it. I want to hold Bauman Co. Okay, let's rebrand. It's going to be Nectar and Moon now. And Ryan told me. You need to let that go. Yeah. And I said, I don't want to. I love making things for people. But then I'm tired of going to the post office every day with 50 orders. And I, you know, I don't want to make things by hand anymore. And I'm giving all these reasons why it's not for me anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And not standing in that truth that it's okay. It's not for me. I can make skincare for my friends and family as gifts. I love gifting things to people. I can make things. Ryan said, babe, you need to let that go because you have a lot coming up that you need to focus on with your career as a writer and your career as an educator in this self-care space. You can't do it all. And now he wasn't saying it in a way like, I hate when people tell women they can't do it all because I'm a believer that we can. But there just wasn't any balance to right. me trying to do it all. Right. How well can we do it How all? How well because can we when do you're, it all? When you have all these things on your plate, right. something is always not going to get your... yeah undivided or adequate attention yeah so yeah do you love discovering new products are you a beauty and fashion maven constantly on the hunt for the next best thing ever read about or spot something online that you've always wanted to try but never have then you might love fabfitfun it allows women everywhere to discover new products as well as including rave review and must-have brands that you know and love. It's like Christmas four times a year. Stumped on gift ideas? FabFitFun is also a great gift for someone you love. You can surprise your mom or sister with this awesome summer box packed with great items. Do you have a daughter who's going to college maybe? Or a friend who's a new mom? FabFitFun is an awesome care package. My last box came with this beautiful lotus towel. It was blue and it's shaped like the flower and it has a gorgeous design in the middle. That's something we've been laying out on the deck and relaxing on for a few weeks now. So what I love about FabFitFun is that they offer full-size products, no samples of anything. Every box is guaranteed to have over $200 plus in retail value. The summer 2019 box has a total retail value between 269 to 467. That's fantastic. Treat yourself with items in it such as the Sutra Professional Mini Travel Blow Dryer, the beautiful Vicks Paula Lotus Towel, or the West Elm Indigo Tie-Dye Bowls. Many of the products' individual value is more than the entire cost of the box. You can customize your box by choosing some products and some add-ons with each one, or you can be surprised. 
It's great for discovering new brands and new products. What a better way to shop. I'm looking forward to my next box because they're always so different and packed with things I can actually use. I like to share the items in my box with my 11-year-old. She's really into skincare these days. We recently got a clay mask and a foot mask and a body scrub. She loves them all. The FabFitFun 2019 Summer Box is on sale now. So sign up for FabFitFun today. These boxes always sell out. You can use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. All you have to do is go to FabFitFun to sign up and get started. Use promo code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 for only $39.99. Go to FabFitFun.com and use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. I love the analogy. I mean, that was beautiful about Alex L. being the trunk. And then you have all these branches. Mm. So we have a few more branches to discuss <laughs> today. Um, let's transition and talk about, which you mentioned is one of your branches, building community and fostering sisterhood. Just mm-hmm. something you do so well. Thanks. Bringing women together, displaying their gifts, allowing your platform to be a platform for other people's gifts. Mm. You, you are always advocating for women showing other women's products and being intentional about purchasing from women owned businesses Mm -hmm. so let's talk about that space (laughs) i feel like i feel like women are great i didn't always feel like women are great Mm -hmm. i didn't recognize my girl power until late in life (laughs) like like 21 yeah um, I kind of had this notion that when I met you, my friend group was shifting. Yeah. And I had this notion that women were mean and that black women didn't get along and that women have to be in competition. And I had outgrown that. I had outgrown being the girl who said, oh, I don't hang with girls. I only hang with dudes because mm-hmm. dudes aren't about the drama, which wasn't even the truth. Like. No. It's a different type of drama. It's a different type of drama. <laughs> and I didn't hang with dudes that much. You know, like mm-hmm. I had my couple, but, you know, I just, I wanted to be that, like, boys girl. Right. I wanted to be one of the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was bec- a part of my trauma and, like, self-hatred and, like, not feeling good enough and possibly being insecure about having relationships with other women um, because I just grew up thinking that there was always something, like, somebody, another girl was always better than me at something Mm -hmm. or um, whatever, just the craziness, right? So when I met you seven years ago, a long time ago now, um, My friend group had shifted and I was shifting and um, it became evident that I was doing things the wrong way Mm -hmm. and that I wanted women, strong women around me. And I wanted black women friends and I wanted um, I wanted that camaraderie. I wanted women 
around. Yeah. And I, I needed that sisterhood, that true, like deeply rooted, I got your back sisterhood mm-hmm. that I had never experienced before. So I met I met you through your cousin Yalabi. Then I met Denicio, who were is y'all are my sister friends. Yeah. Safa, Tanya. Tanya has is my longest friend. My longest mm-hmm. um adult friend. I met her when before Charlie was even conceived. So I wanted my tribe of women and I was slowly starting to find them around age 20, 21. And it just it just meant a lot to me. So to 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 move through it, I just started maturing. My thought process started changing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I can't stand next to another woman, who can I stand next to? Right. If I can't, you know, feel secure in myself to share this space with another woman, how is that ever going to, how am I ever going to be self-secure ever? Right. You know, so sisterhood just became a thing for me. It just became something that I intentionally had to lean into because I knew that I wanted friendships that were meaningful right. and that were rooted in compassion and kindness and support. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't want to be one. I didn't want to be that woman, you know, who I was young woman in high school thinking I can't hang with girls. Right. I think that's stupid. Like the whole you can't sit with us thing. The whole mm-hmm. I, it's it, looking Cattiness. back as an almost 30 year old woman. I'm like, how was that ever a thing? I can't imagine my life without my sister friends. I can't imagine my life without the powerful women I've been connecting with over the past. Right. What? Eight years. Mm-hmm. To circle back to your question, where I am today, I w- I've been given this platform, and it's only right that I share it. It's only right that I help another woman get to where she wants to be. Doesn't matter if she's doing skincare, doesn't matter if she's doing jewelry, doesn't matter how similar it is, like her writing is to mine or her story is to mine. We've got to connect and, and lift each other up. And I think right. that that's really, really, really important, especially in today's day and age where social media is competition central, right? So it's like... Oh, yes. Competition, comparison. All of that. Unhealthy um, boundaries. It sparks unhealthy inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. All of that. And as women, we are sometimes all we got. We don't always get to exist in male spaces or get you know, a seat at the table. We don't get access. And then even more so as women of color, as black women, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we are not always given access to spaces. So it's just really beautiful that you've used your platform Mm -hmm. to give a more powerful voice to women, to black women and women in in just creative spaces. Also trying. Yeah. To run a small business Mm -hmm. and work for themselves. Mm -hmm. Also, but that's the thing. Also trying. Right. 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 We we are all trying to figure Mm -hmm. it out. We you know what? It makes me really happy because when I first started um, my jewelry line, there were like nobody really knew about nobody knew about me. Like I was, you know, not on social media like that. And like. You know, it wasn't a it's not what it is today. Right. Right. And I needed people to support me and I needed word of mouth. And sometimes the word of mouth mouth was the only way I would get a sale. Right. Right. So it's like if I have this platform of X amount of people 
perhaps, you know, and I'm and I'm I don't think people realize that I don't really do sponsored content. I'm like, giving folks my dollars because yeah. that is what matters. A shout out. Meh, right. That that money matters. Right. It costs money to live. It costs money to make your dreams come to fruition. Right. So it's like, of course, I'm going to stand with another woman because other women have stood with me and I'm going to support monetarily Mm-hmm. And I'm going to share because right. that word of mouth, that word of mouth, mm-hmm. that word of mouth is so, 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 so important. And, um, you know, I've come a long way in terms of my way of thinking. It's so funny. I think people feel like I've just I'm just awakened. <laughs> <laughs> like I just have always had my shit together and I just haven't, you know, and yeah. I. All of us are a work in progress, even those of us, even those people we look up to. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Even when you do go through, when you go through an evolution yeah. or a transformation yeah. and you have, um, you get to a certain level of enlightenment, there's always a next level. Of enlightenment. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, especially now in this time of being woke, there's levels of being woke. <laughs> Right. So to speak, right. you know, and, and we go through our journey hitting those levels as we are comfortable, mm-hmm. as, you know, we grow and have different experiences mm-hmm. and learn what no longer serves us or learn, you know, what's behind the, the curtain mm-hmm. that we haven't been able to see up until that point. So you're absolutely right. We are That's all crazy. trying and we're still learning new things. Mm-hmm. And unpacking things, there's always something something to unpack. There is always a trigger. Yes. Even when you have like you thought, over, you you did thought that work? yes, you thought you dealt with it. Uh, so that you didn't up. really fully deal with it. Because oh there's another layer. Oh my it's god. So uh Yes. Oh my God. So I have been meeting with the spiritual teacher for the past like three weeks. And uh, unpacking is hard. And she's Indeed. like, you thought you did that work, Alex, but you didn't. That's why it keeps coming back to the surface. Mm. And I was like, girl, can you not? Like, right. <laughs> can you not say that? Um, thought that was off my plate. And she said, but when that happens, mm-hmm. there's still more work to be done. So it doesn't matter how evolved I am today, how enlightened I think I am today. There is always the next step. And if right. you reach a point where you feel like you are, you have capped your evolution, you need to revisit. You need to do more work because the evolution never stops. It's constant learning. And we should be learning until the day we die. Absolutely. Learning and growing and shifting. Absolutely. I've been unpacking, Mm -hmm. dumping stuff out on the floor, refolding it. What can fit in this suitcase? What can't? Yeah. And that's how I have to look at my unpacking, Mm -hmm. especially with um, my past my, you know, my marriage, me being a mother, my career. Okay, that is what I had last quarter in my suitcase. It's time to unpack because mm-hmm. some things are just not fitting anymore. So I'm a visual person, so that's how I have to look at things. Yeah. And that has really, really helped me. And working with the spiritual teacher, even though it's only been, what, 21 days, I've been on my meditation journey for 21 days consecutive. I'm so proud of myself. Awesome. There's still more work to be done. Like I texted her last night, like these journal questions. I said, I can't. Sorry, girl. And she was like, and you need to write that down. And I tell this to my students. If you don't have anything to write, just write. I can't today. 
Yeah. And I have I was like, I can't. She was like, that's what you need to write down, that you can't. And that's, that's okay. an awesome practice. And it builds trust with yourself mm-hmm. that you're not you're OK with not forcing yeah. a thing to happen that yeah. is not ready to enter the, that space. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And, and the work hard. is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. In that same spirit of self-care and wellness, mm. because for me, when I think of self-care, it's always been more so about that work. The things that are not tidy mm. and pretty, it's less about how can I polish my exterior, right? Mm. Or, But those are good things. Like we, we like to take care of our bodies mm-hmm. um, and, and beautify our, our bodies. Mm. But when I think of self-care, it's that unpacking. What is going to expand my consciousness to get me to where I know I need to go? Because all this, all this shit can't come with me. Um, that to me is like real self-care. Because yeah. when I can peel back something and discard something that no longer serves me, that's when I feel like, the most cared for by myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we know mm-hmm. self-care and wellness is deep rooted in your purpose, in your career. Mm-hmm. How do you approach your own self-care? I know you you just mentioned that you started um, speaking with a spiritual teacher. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, which is beautiful, because like you said, like no matter where we are or or how much we um, are enveloped in that space, we always can use other resources Mm -hmm. to take us to the next level Mm -hmm. and see things that we're unable to see. Mm -hmm. So how do you find new ways to approach your self-care and, and sometimes have the courage to seek that because I think a lot of times we we feel like, oh, I can manage this on my own or I can just figure this out on my mm-hmm. own. Mm-hmm. And we never reach out for that help. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been struggling with self-care lately. Mm-hmm. Self-care looks different for me now that I have two kids and mm. one of them is home with me all day. Right. <laughs> Little Isla. Little Isla. <laughs> I just want to cuddle her all day and not get any work done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks different and it, it has to be more intentional now. Like right. self-care had become a s- practice for me. Like Charlie would go off to school. Ryan would go off to work. I would be home by myself. I would be grinding like getting my work done and then I would take a nap that would that would be my Mm self-care or I would go for a walk or I would stop and make myself some tea or some coffee and enjoy each step right like just really you had space to fill and you could fill it with that self self care but now it's like where's the space (laughs) where's it at how do I (laughs) (laughs) and how do I do it because now me making coffee all depends on Isla like right because I could literally be ready to step into some self-care with a with making coffee or even washing my face Mm. and she'll be like "Eh, eh." (laughs) not want to be put down (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and um so there's that unpacking again there's that peeling back the layers again like how are you going to make time for yourself with this new life 
mm-hmm. because it is a new life. Um, yeah. And so what I've been trying to practice is being intentional about the little things and calling that my self-care. So mm. being intentional about um, washing my face and, you know, I pull my hair back and I massage my face really well and I dry it really well and then I put my serums like and I'm really like touching myself and just loving the process. And, you know, that may be my self-care at the end of the night when she's down for a nap. I may not wash my face in the morning. <laughs> I may just be able to splash some water and then mm-hmm. go. Um I've been trying to just find space to be quiet um, because it's not very quiet at home anymore. Right, right. (laughs) Um, And not in a way that's overwhelming, but Mm -hmm. just like we have a whole other human being, you know, and she's found her voice and she's babbling. She's talking and we're talking together. And, you know, I'm on calls all day and like, you know, just everything is around when Isla goes down for a nap. Sometimes it's just good to just sit. Like, I don't mm. put the TV on anymore. Like, I would put, you know, my, my Hulu shows on and I would get my work done and my Netflix on. When that girl sleep, or even when it's just me and her in there, mm-hmm. it'll just be quiet. And I find myself, like, thinking, oh, it's quiet, you know? And she's, you know, at peace and I'm at peace. I'm getting my work done. I'm like, y'all, this is nice. And that has been that intentionality and that recognizing and that awareness has been my self-care. Mm. It really hasn't been much of like the pedicures and, you know, the going outside for a walk, even though I try to get outside with her at least once a day. But even that you have to be hyper aware with your surroundings, with a baby and a stroller. So it's not really like it's not like a meditative no, walk or no, anything no, like that. No, right? no, no, not at all. Um, and. We're just trying to figure it out. You know, it was different with Charlie because I was in school um, and my parents watched her Mm -hmm. or sometimes her dad would watch her or she would go to daycare. And it was just a different life. Like, I'm a stay-at-home, self-employed mom. Like, it wasn't like that with Charlie. Yeah. Um, Not this little, you know. And my time is... It's a little bit. <laughs> right, right. You know? And um, so the little things. And I think that that's great. You know, I'm able to have a broader sense of appreciation now. Yeah. Because I have to reset and step back and intentionally be aware of my surroundings and the time that I have. Right, right. So, yeah. And I think that's an important note um, about self-care that even in that space, it shifts mm-hmm. and that our, our different phases of life that we enter, we have to accommodate self-care in different ways. Yes. And it won't always look the same. And mm-hmm. sometimes it'll be like that really um, deep work of healing emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. Or it'll be, man, I just really want to wash my face. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's beautiful. Yeah. That Because I feel like Sometimes now self-care is a buzzword, right? Yes. And and it's been m- almost marketed and packaged in, in certain ways mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. So it's not always talked about in that full view mm-hmm. in different phases of people's lives and what it actually can look like. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that marketed and packaged 
viewpoint is what people try to measure themselves against. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, self-care, massage, facial, all the things I can't afford. Ashley paints her own nails, let me tell you. But <laughs> they you start to feel <laughs> <laughs> you start to feel like, oh, sometimes you don't have even access to that, but you really do. And it's really the small intentional things. So yes. that that's beautiful. Yeah. To even I'm sure to other mothers, like to know that somebody I ain't got it all figured is, out. Right. <laughs> and I, you know, that's why I try to use my platform in the way that I do. Like mm -hmm. in between book signings, in between retreats and workshops, you know, some not everybody can come to those things, right? So right. I like my social media to be a meditative experience and an intentional space. Like, yeah, I'm young, I'm a mom, and I'm married. And this is hard. Like, mm -hmm. it's not always easy. You know, that's why y'all, when y'all see pictures of us, a lot of the times room is a mess still. Y'all see Instagram stories, <laughs> coffee tables are, are just crazy. And, you know, that's life. That's real life. Yep. I'm not prepping or or playing or uh, um, putting on for mm -hmm. social media. Like, if I'm going to share, I'm going to share what's really going on. You know, right. I'm going to share that marriage is not a walk in the park. I'm mm -hmm. going to share that this motherhood life of two is interesting. I love it. But it's interesting. Right. I'm going to share that this entrepreneurship life is what was not easy at the beginning. And it took me a long time. I've been an entrepreneur for six years now, but it took more than that to get to where I was. Right. I'm not going to sell a dream. You know, I'm going to sell. Y'all got to do the work. Right. Y'all want this love. This Y'all want a marriage. Y'all want a relationship that's healthy and happy. You mm -hmm. do the work. Y'all want to raise intentional minded children. You want to shift what motherhood, parenthood looks like for you. You have to do the work. Right. That's it. There are no shortcuts. At, at all. Because if there yeah. was, I might have taken them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about writing mm -hmm. and how your approach to your creative process, to your poetry, to your affirmations has changed mm -hmm. post Isla. Mm -hmm. Because it has been a, a reawakening. Yeah. And a new sense of enlightenment mm -hmm. and even just maybe alignment with a higher power mm -hmm. because I feel like, or at least what I experienced in that hospital room, it was so divine mm -hmm. and, and spiritual. Mm -hmm. So I know like that birthing process of, of having that experience physically mm -hmm. also takes place emotionally and mentally and spiritually. Mm -hmm. So how is that? Um, come into fruition in your writing. So I mentioned earlier that we longed for Isla. Mm -hmm. So we tried for her for two years and had a miscarriage and ended up having to get fertility support to get her. Um, for those of you interested in that fertility support story, you can listen to me and Gabe's uh, podcast um, and me and Kenya's podcast. We talk a little bit about you know, just life after miscarriage and right. life after fertility stuff. Um, but I just knew that when I got pregnant with Isla, oh, mama was going to have like all the ideas mm -hmm. and just be this just rooted in like creativity. Yeah. And I was not. And I was very disappointed because it had mm -hmm. been a while since I had been rooted in um, in feeling hole in my work. I had just written Neon Soul and that was a struggle. Neon Soul was a struggle. 
um, mm. to bring to fruition. And I think it's because we had just gone through the miscarriage. We were trying for this baby. And I was just over it. I was drained. And I didn't have anything else to say. All I could write about was not getting my baby and us struggling to get pregnant. And it was just a really sad time for me. Um, right. So when I when I got pregnant with Isla, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, magic is about to happen. Right. And it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. Um, magic happened in the sense where I was really in tune with my body and I let myself be in my pregnancy. Yes. And I had to I had to be in my pregnancy because I was scared I was never going to get her Earthside. I constantly thought that she was going to be taken from us. I mean, you remember wow, when yes. she was born and she didn't cry right away. And I was like, why isn't she crying? Yes. I do remember. Even her exiting my body, I was like, she's not going to be mine. And mm. life after loss, whether it be a parent, a loved one, a career, whatever mourning, you know, a child, it's hard to navigate. It's hard to think you're going to be blessed with goodness. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. It's hard. So sometimes even you question if you're deserving if you're because you start to internalize, yep. even though like that sounds ridiculous. What does somebody being taken from me have to do with yeah. my worth? Mm -hmm. But your mind it's, starts to go there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I just wasn't feeling the whole writing thing when I was when I was pregnant. And that's when I really started writing my affirmations because I knew that I had to. I had to start writing something yeah. or I would lose it. You know, I just felt like I would just, you know, lose my voice. So that's when my affirmations started, really. And that's when my charting my affirmation charts started. So I would be like, I can be soft and still be strong. I can be whole and still need to be filled. You know, mm -hmm. like those were the things that those are the only things that I could bring to fruition. Those little tiny yeah. words. But as far as like writing pieces and essays, it was really, really hard. And because I was just so, I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I didn't want to jinx myself. I just, when I tell you I was so scared I wasn't going to get this baby, I was so scared. Every ultrasound, I'm like, they're going to they're gonna tell me she's, she's not there. Or, you know, it was just a struggle. So yeah. I, think, I think that blocked my creative process. But it also made me turn inward and really have to self-nurture mm -hmm. and self-soothe. And once she got here, it wasn't like this reawakening right away as far as my career goes, as far as writing goes. Um, but slowly, I started yeah. feeling like, okay, I have something to say. Mm -hmm. Um and it's been different. Like, I feel like I'm more mindful with how I share things, what I'm sharing. That goes back to kind of like not glamorizing or over being hyper, just over the top about motherhood. And while I am excited about it, it's not all roses. I mean, I do that with my marriage, too. It's like I'm not going to over glamorize what this thing is. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm married to my best friend. I love him. But the work, right? Yes. So it's just her birth just reminded me that I had a voice and that I'm allowed to use it. And it's okay not to have anything to say sometimes. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of how my writing has shift, 
shifted. And also, what's next for me? I've been thinking about that. Yeah. And what's next for me is moving away from poetry. I mean, I'm always going to love poetry, but I really, you know, want to keep encouraging women and people to write their own stories. That's why right. there's always space in my books for people to write. That's why I'm mm-hmm. releasing journals. That's why I'm doing these workshops, because I want to get into the community with this work. Um and I think that's that, that's what's next for me. More retreats, more workshops, more in-person time with me. Not just on my Instagram liking stuff, but really right. coming to learn from me. And I'm learning from the guests. And we're leaving with a sense of community and with storytelling in mind. Because that's what right. my life, I feel like, is about. I've shifted. I've gone through a bunch of different things, a bunch of different ups and downs. I've played with all the branches of my tree. I've climbed mm-hmm. my tree. I've gotten to the top. And I'm like, okay. Now what are we going to do? Like, how am I going to prune my garden now? And how am I going to sow these different seeds? What do I want to leave on this earth? And I want to leave people with a sense of their voice. Yes. So I feel like that's that's what Isla has done for me. Like, speak up, girl. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what you said um, just now about the branches again, mm-hmm. each one of your branches, the center of it is always storytelling Mm -hmm. and I think that is like your source of purpose and power Mm -hmm. because you do tell your story beautifully Um, whether it be through images words um, self-care wellness and reaching out to people and encouraging women it's all about that storytelling Mm -hmm. and how we can look at all of our collective stories and relate and learn from each other. Yeah. So that's my intention. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. And I'm sure as you continue to prune those leaves and move everything um, in the direction that you desire, it's it's going to be beautiful. And we're all <laughs> tuning in and watching and getting encouragement. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to share? No matter what you're going through in this life, it gets better. And it gets better when we really, truly believe that it can. And I think if I've learned anything on this journey from childhood to young adulthood, motherhood, the ins and outs of life and just like navigating and trying to figure it out, is that if I didn't finally find that self-belief, I would still be stuck. And I had to intentionally, I had to intentionally make the choice to unstick myself and that just came with believing that I could so whoever's listening just believe that you can and know that you can because at the end of the day everybody else around you can believe in you and know that you can but if you don't then what journal questions would be how are you doing the work today as you wrap up this conversation with me and Ajalique, how are you doing the work? And the second question would be, what are you longing for in this life and how can you bring it to fruition? So meditate on that. And yeah, thank you, Ajo, for having thank me. Thank you. <laughs> this has been an honor, a joy to share this conversation with you. And it's um, brought so many gems to me and it's just been a blessing. So I'm grateful for you, sis. I love you forever. I love you too. This was fun. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm.
Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.